That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party, a podcast for women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. This season, we're bringing in leading female powerhouses to take a deep dive into the topics that matter most to you. Technology, money, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it, we're covering it all. Tune in every Wednesday for career, real talk, and BS-free advice from the best in the biz. Ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. To put it simply, diversity matters. But don't take my word for it. Let's look at the stats. New research makes it crystal clear that companies with a more diverse workforce perform better financially. In fact, companies in the top 25% for gender and ethnic diversity at the executive level are more likely to have an above average profitability than companies in the bottom 25%. In short, having more diverse female executives equates to bigger share price gains, stronger revenue growth, and higher profits, period. The stats don't lie. So why aren't we seeing more companies embracing it? We know that top-down leadership initiatives just aren't enough. We need an array of voices from various backgrounds, body types, races, and genders to contribute to the conversation if we want to push the culture forward. But it's not enough to just listen and learn. We have to take action because there is real power in inclusion. That's why we're sitting down today with a passionate advocate for inclusive entrepreneurship, Carolyn Rods, the founder and CEO of Hello Atlas the intelligent business advisor for entrepreneurs. To understand what our responsibilities are to keep the needle moving forward and make inclusion the norm, not the exception. Through Hello Alice, Carolyn is lifting up the underestimated because we know that every business starts small. So let's get right into it. So, so excited to have you on the show. You are a serial entrepreneur having launched multiple businesses from scratch And the common thread between all of them is your passion to connect and amplify the voices and ideas of the underestimated. So where does this drive come from and why are you so passionate about helping other female entrepreneurs? Yeah, well, first, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, You know, I think everything we've done in terms of of growing our business has centered back to my very first experience as an entrepreneur all the way back in 2005 uh, when I started my first company in the retail business. And I, I left a career in investment banking. I ran that business for two years. And it was on the outside, I think, seemingly kind of very successful. We got into 
lots of stores like Harrods and Bloomingdale's and Neiman Marcus. And, um, but the reality was the business wasn't, it wasn't doing well. I, I, you know, it was really difficult to manage cash flows. It was really hard to make sure we had enough inventory and, and manage the supply chain. Um, and, and get things on shelves and then off shelves quickly enough to sustain the business. So after spending a lot of money, after learning a lot of lessons, the, the long and hard and difficult way, uh, I ultimately ended up closing that business down and subsequently started a second business, sold that company. And that was really sort of the, the start for me in terms of recognizing the need um, and the importance of having knowledge um, and resources and a network to start and grow a company. I kept seeing all these businesses around me succeed. And I was like, why was it so hard for me? And I realized I, I didn't lean on, on a network um, that first time. And I didn't create partnerships. And, and there were so many things that I could have accelerated, um, done to accelerate the process that I didn't do. And that was really the catalyst for starting Hello Alice, uh, making sure that every business owner, their first time around, had had access to the resources they needed to to start and grow. Absolutely. And so so you had your first company that shut down. You sold your second company, that's right? Yes. Awesome. So yeah, and that's something that I think, you know, we could talk a little bit about because I think there's so much interest and understanding or lack of understanding for women specifically who want to go out and sell a business. And I think sometimes there's this kind of interesting thing where women don't necessarily want to sell their businesses. They kind of want to hold on to them. Um, but meanwhile, most serial entrepreneurs, specifically male entrepreneurs, grow and build businesses and sell them all the time. Um, so I'm interested to kind of get into that dynamic as well as people are kind of going into this. But first and foremost, can you give us the sort of elevator pitch of what Hello Alice is in terms of a way to describe the company? Sure. Uh, I always say Hello Alice is, is what I wish I would have had when I grew my first company. But essentially, it is the sidekick um, who helps you guide your way through this really confusing and murky entrepreneurial journey. So from the moment you have an idea for your business, um, what should you be doing to cultivate that idea? How do you start to formulate that idea and actually launch a business? Um, And how do you gather all of the resources and tools and experts along that journey based on the type of company you want to grow and um, the type of entrepreneur that you are. So it's a technology platform. It is free for every business owner. All you have to do is go to helloalice.com. Once you register, you're given smart guidance, um, all based on who you are as a business owner. So your experience on the platform is very different from my experience. And it makes sure that you know about all the best resources for you relevant to what you're doing at a moment in time. I love that. And so basically, this was Circular Board, which was a collaborative accelerator for high growth oriented female entrepreneurs, and you transitioned it into Hello Alice. Can you talk about that evolution and why the change happened? Yeah, so we started as uh, as an accelerator, and it was a very hands-on process um, in terms of learning you know, what business owners needed. We We knew if we kept it virtual, we could connect people who were traditionally unable to to join accelerator programs that were mostly at the time in Silicon Valley or in New York and really centered around the tech industry. Our goal was to to make sure that every business owner, whether you're starting a retail business or whether you had a restaurant, if you were thinking big and wanted to scale, that you could have access to the same level of of, uh, resources that that these tech accelerators and incubators had. And so we did that for 
almost three years and ran cohorts of about 60 to 100 women for each cohort. And it ranged from companies in places like Mongolia and El Salvador to people in urban centers in the United States um, and everything in between. And it was so cool because we, you know, every week we would go through tackling things like how to raise capital or how to hire your team or how to think through copyrights and patents and intellectual property. But the, the knowledge share between these women was incredible in terms of how they would share resources with each other. We realized that even though their businesses were so different, I mean, dealing with an electric bike company in Africa was very different than dealing with a you know chain of nail salons in the US, but their problems were the same. They would, they would get together and talk about, gosh, I'm really struggling with making sure that my team is, you know, firing on all cylinders right now, or I'm really having a hard time attracting the talent that I need, uh, or you know, I'm low on cash, but I feel like I need to invest in these things. Where can I go for some additional support? And so we were answering the same questions all of the time. And I listened to all of the mentors we brought in answering the same questions, but they were, they were answering them in different ways, depending on the company. And so we started to really dig in with, with a team of, of research scientists. And a lot of the data that we had is we would start with like looking at just the kind of quantitative side of what we were learning and found that it was, it was highly dependent on where they were located geographically on what resources they had access to. So how big was their team? How much money did they have to, to pull from? And what stage of growth they were at? And then we also learned there were opportunities that were unique to a person's gender or a person's ethnicity. Things like, hey, you could apply for this grants program, which is specifically for you know, veterans of color. Or, hey, you should check out this grants program that's in your state. So there's a pitch competition coming up that you need to make sure you apply for. Um, and so we realized if we aggregated all of those resources, we could parse them out to people based on who they were and what they needed in a much more scalable way. So we weren't supporting 60 or 100 women. We were, could literally support millions of business owners all over the world um, and give them a, a best-in-class experience. Your business is more than the goods you sell or the services you provide. It's truly the heart of the economy. That's why I'm teaming up with MasterCard to support entrepreneurs by sharing my tips and advice to help their businesses, like how to build a diverse business that reflects your local community. Creating a diverse business is extremely important. In my opinion, it all starts with hiring. By hiring diverse employees, you're welcoming varying viewpoints into your workplace, which creates a diverse product or service for your customers as a result. A product or service that speaks to many rather than just a select few. After all, we don't learn by surrounding ourselves with people who look, act, and think just like us. It's a diverse workplace that allows us to learn from others and strengthen the message we're putting out into the world. Additionally, make diversity an open dialogue topic. Prioritize it and create an environment where employees are open and comfortable to ask questions and share ideas. Beyond that, consider how you can diversify your business even further. Is it through topics you cover on your media platform, the beauty products you develop, the brands you partner with? Cover the topics that matter. Create beauty products for every skin tone and vow to only work with brands who share your company's same core values. The journey looks different to every business. But either way, diversifying is absolutely the way forward. For more tools and resources, go to mastercard.us slash mainstreetrecovery. That's mastercard.us slash mainstreetrecovery. Together, we can start something priceless. 
I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from drugs and alcohol six years ago, I've been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life, and I'm sharing everything with you. From how to achieve optimal health, well-being, and fulfillment, to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures, I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with experts and inspirational guests. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. So can you tell us a little bit about how you've developed the technology to get that granular when it comes to helping women out? And also, what were some of the learnings along the way of building this technology, you know, relaunching as Hello Alice, and what were some of the mistakes you made? So I think this is so important because I, I am not a tech person. I was an investment banker before I started an entrepreneurship at all. I do love numbers and data. I, I, when I launched my first company, I literally taught myself how to create my first blog. This was before, uh, I think, I think it was on WordPress, but like WordPress was such a different animal back in that day. I, I literally taught myself basic HTML and, and CSS. And that's what I knew going into all of this. So the idea of launching a tech company, if you told me I would be the CEO of a tech company, I would have laughed because I never thought I would be here. But I, I did learn through my first failed business, I had to bring in the expertise uh, and, and the partners and knowledge that I lacked. And so I knew it could be done. I knew there were people who would know how to do it. And I knew my vision for it was really clear. And so we partnered with Dell. Part of my co-founder um, at the time was working at Dell. We had a conversation um, about where we were with, with the accelerator, what I wanted to build and what I thought was really needed. She said, hey, Dell is trying to tackle this, you know, a very similar problem. And I think this could be a really interesting partnership. So um, Elizabeth and I started kind of working together. She helped me navigate through Dell. Uh, Elizabeth ultimately ended up joining full time at, at Hello Alice. Uh, but Dell was a major partner for us in trying to figure out how to build the technology. They gave us some initial funding. We sat inside Pivotal Labs, which is a, a software agency that um, has since IPO'd, but Dell. Um, you owned them at the time. And they really helped us build the, the very first version. And then we started hiring engineers and building up our team. And, you know, now we've got a team of engineers that, that does that. I, I still think through kind of the big vision of what we're trying to do and, and, um, and very in the weeds on the product side of the business. But in terms of, you know, getting under the hood and coding things like you, you don't want me in the, in the code base. <laughs> no, I, I love that. And same. Um, but I think that's a great story in terms of, again, a really strong case study and partnerships of just, hey, here's what I'm looking to do. Hey, we're already doing that. Like, let's connect and do that together. So I think that's really interesting. And we love Dell. They're a partner of Crane Cultivates as well. So that's great to hear. Um, okay, so cut to here we are, COVID-19, stay at home. Every business is pivoting to digital that wasn't digital previously. Your business has been digital, you know, the entire time. It's a completely technology-driven company that is here to help female entrepreneurs. How has the uptick been for you? And what are some of the questions that you're seeing from your community right now? Uh, it's been crazy for us. Uh, as you can imagine, we, so we hit this point where every business owner, no matter how successful you were or where you were before COVID-19 struck, it disrupted your business in some way. Uh, we were just talking before, before we started recording, uh, certainly about how it's changed a lot of the things that you guys are doing at Create and Cultivate. It's definitely impacted how we do business. I haven't spoken to a business owner who said this, this hasn't affected us either for good or for bad, but it's affected us. So 
I think that the big thing for us, I mean, we've certainly seen a, a lot of people reaching out and saying, hey, I need help. I need guidance. I don't know what to do. Um, we've been working really closely. We pivoted and just did kind of a full 180 at our company, making sure that we reached out to the Small Business Administration and the U.S. Chamber and you know, government entities and, and all of these entrepreneur organizations just saying, hey, what are you offering? What are you doing? How can we help direct people to those resources? How can we help walk them through complicated processes like applying for the PPP loans or understanding what the CARES Act can do for your small business? Those were all things that we broke down into really basic steps. We built a COVID-19 business center, which you can find at COVID19businesscenter.com. We have grants that we offer. We knew funding before COVID-19 was the number one need for small business owners. More than ever, that is so important right now. So we accelerated our grants process, went to a bunch of our partners, brought in additional funds, and we're deploying um, millions of dollars of emergency grants for small businesses. That's incredible. And yes, like to your point, you know, funding for female small business owners has been such an issue. Now it's sort of kind of the the playing field's a little leveled right now where everyone's trying to figure out what to do. And it went from needing funding for your business to kind of just needing money for your payroll and like all everything in between. But as mentioned before, you know, obviously tech is massively booming industry primarily male dominated, but like you said, you're not a tech person and you start, you're a founder of a tech company. So how can we encourage more women to go down that path, um, to have these big ideas and then not necessarily need to be the developer or the programmer, but make them come to life? Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's tech is lots of different things. I mean, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with, uh, my college roommate, who's an anthropology as her PhD in anthropology. And we were talking about things. I'm like, there's such a need for your skill set in tech now. It's terms of just understanding how to build community and how we engage with one another. And what does artificial intelligence mean today in terms of the way that we operate? There's so many different roles. I mean, we've got at our company, we have former, like, not I say former, I guess we're still currently, but journalists, we have, you know, graphic designers, we have uh, marketers and, and salespeople and the whole gamut. Yet everybody has this alignment around what our company mission is, how we operate together. We all work in tech, uh, but we have really different roles within that. So I think the biggest thing is tech isn't just engineering. Tech is product design. It is, you know, there's psychology to it. There's, there's so many different pieces that come into play. And so I think at the end of the day where I look at it, it is tech is a means to solve a problem in a scalable way. And if you have a desire to solve a problem in a scalable way, you should start a tech company. Absolutely. And so just to get a little bit more techie, so Hello Alice has been hailed as this theory for entrepreneurs. And so basically what you guys do, and you tell me, um, is you use machine learning to connect people with the right tools and resources. So can you walk us through what that process looks like and maybe talk a little bit about what machine learning is? Sure. Um, It's essentially learning based on, again, based on who you are, how do you sort of start to create a more sort of human experience um, to the platform. And so what, what Alice does is it's always learning about who you are and, and the type of business that you're running. So anybody on our platform, you'll get asked a lot of questions, um, but they're all relevant to the experience you're going through. So if you're trying to make your first hire, if you think about an offline conversation you'd have with a mentor, they'd say, you know, hey, what are you trying to hire for? And why do you need this role? And you know, what's the pay range? And all these different questions that, 
a human would ask you in, in the real world. Um, so to give advice to somebody on how to make that hire, you'd want some context. And so Alice is learning some of that context and applying that to the decision that's being recommended to you. And that's based on a series of, of algorithms and, and essentially matching tools that are saying, because you know, this is who you are and this is what your need is, here's the recommendation that we would make to you. And that recommendation is based on what lots of other business owners before you have said is, was a successful path for them. It's based on um, what experts sort of deem like this is the best practices for this scenario. And then it's, it's based on your own feedback. So what you have given a thumbs up or thumbs down to in terms of your own experience, we're learning you know, everything from do you like in-person events more or do you like reading an article about how to do something? Because that will help dictate what we're going to recommend to you. I love that. And so in terms of the types of entrepreneurs, like you've talked far and wide in terms of geographic location and in terms of actual types of businesses from tech to, like you said, restaurant owners, et cetera. So can you tell us a little bit about how inclusivity plays a role in your platform? Because I know that's been a strong mission for you guys since the very beginning. Um, So can you talk a little bit about that and maybe share some success stories? Sure. Um, I am a Latina woman myself from uh, Bolivia, it was really important to me because uh, I think one of the things I realized is I didn't come with a big network when I started my first business. I didn't, you know, I didn't know a lot of entrepreneurs. My, my dad was a small business owner. My you know, grandparents in Bolivia were small business owners. But those experiences are so different than, than trying to run you know, a, a venture-backed company in the United States. So I didn't have any context. I did, frankly never even considered raising venture capital with my first company. I didn't ever consider it with my second company. But I think if I had known and been exposed to it, I would have started to think differently. And it wasn't until I, I sold my second business that I started getting invited to go speak at conferences and to go to these events. And my world kind of opened up after the fact. And I was like, this would have been so helpful on day one. I would have made so many decisions differently. I would have grown those companies differently. I would have raised capital differently. I would have actually raised capital. Like I didn't even get a bank loan for those businesses. And so for me, it was, how do we open up people and make sure that everybody, I don't care if you, you know, grew up in a rural county or if you are in an urban center or, you know, what your experiences or where you come from. It's just making sure that, you know, everybody has equal access to, to the knowledge so that they can make the best decisions. Because what I always find is that, you know, entrepreneurs of, of all backgrounds have aspirations. We wouldn't start our own businesses if we didn't want it to become something bigger. And so it's just a question of, you know, how big do you want it? What are you trying to grow? What are your goals? And if those aspirations are, are, are big, you've got to take a certain path. If your aspirations are to create a company that's going to sustain you and your family, that requires another path, but you should at least be armed with the knowledge to make the decision that's right for you. So when I think about inclusivity, it's not just sort of ethnic diversity. It's not saying, you know, we want to make sure we have black founders and Latino founders and, you know, whatever LGBT. It's really making sure we have different perspectives and we have all different ages. We have all different walks of life. We have all different skill sets. Because then we can build a really robust community that can support each other, that can bring unique perspectives, that can connect the dots in interesting ways um, and help these companies grow into something 
far bigger than, than they ever imagined. So you mentioned that if you went back in time, you maybe would have raised money for some of your initial businesses. Can you talk a little bit about raising money, why you would have maybe made that decision sooner and how women can go about starting that process if they do want to raise money for their business? Um, So raising capital is, it changes the game, right? It becomes, it's no longer your business. It's your business plus your investor's business. Um, and they're coming in as owners. And so it's it's a big decision. I don't think it's right for every business. I definitely don't think it makes things easier. It makes things different. Um, so lots of times I hear people say, oh, it would just be so like everything will be solved if I get this, you know, if I can go get this investor on board. It's not because it just raises expectations and it means you've got to move at a faster pace and build at a higher level. So it's it's a huge decision. I think with my first business... I should have raised capital. I could have never built it to what it, I wanted it to be without outside capital. I just didn't have enough funding. I started my company with my own personal savings. I had a decent amount of savings thanks to four years of bonuses and investment banking, but it still wasn't nearly enough to build a company at the size that I, I ultimately wanted it to be. My second company, I didn't need to raise capital. It was not very capital intensive. Um, it was more in, in the tech space. It, it was a totally different business. And so that one I bootstrapped and it did well because I, I didn't need any additional funding. So I think it's important to think about what do you actually need capital for? What is not having money blocking you from doing that you would do differently? And um, ultimately, what's kind of the big, the big picture behind it? Um, in terms of if you want to go raise capital and you know getting... I'll, say, I'll talk about kind of venture capital specifically. It's all relationship based. I think the reason we see the stats around women getting such you know crappy access to venture capital is because we don't have the relationships. They're typically not in our networks, and most venture capitalists are men, um, and we just don't have that that level of a relationship that it requires. So it can be done. It just requires working extra hard to build the relationships before you need it. So. Find out where those people are, figure out how you can add value to the conversations they're having, go to the events where they're speaking. Right now, those are obviously largely online, but when they are back in person, show up and speak to people in their portfolios and talk to other companies they've invested in. We've met almost all of our investors um, have been a personal relationship and, and we're not super well-connected people or didn't start out, I guess I should say, as super well-connected people. You know, I went to an event at a Dell conference and I happened to sit at a dinner table next to somebody who was an investor. She became one of our largest seed stage investors in in Alice, but not until years later. And I didn't even have a company she could invest in when I first met her. I just was a guest at a conference like anybody else and just got lucky that she sat next to me. So I think it's just always figuring out how are you putting yourself in the same room as these people? How are you building those relationships? Um, Once you find a relationship, ask them for more and have them open new doors for you so that you're always connecting and and expanding and growing that pool. Yeah, and play the long game. It sounds like, you know, you never know when you might need that money or when someone might come into value for you and and vice versa. Um, So Alice is free to sign up. So can you talk us a little bit through your business model, how you've been able to monetize the platform to support the tech behind it, the people and the business resources that you guys provide? Definitely. Um, So because inclusivity was such a huge value for us from the start, uh, we knew all the stats around 
companies led by women and people of color and underrepresented groups are starting with far less capital. It's anywhere from a half to a third of the amount of capital typically. So we knew asking people for money upfront to grow their business was wasn't going to work because um, who was going to spend money? It was going to be the people that had money to spend and we were going to end up like every other platform that supports entrepreneurs that charges them for them. It was in terms of a lot of these technologies that were sort of scalable, it was largely white and largely male. So we said, okay, let's flip this model. And, and what if we didn't charge them anything? You know, who's going to make money if these business owners succeed? And we were like, governments are going to make a lot of money corporations and and product and service providers are going to make a lot of money. The business owners themselves on the backside certainly will make a lot of money, but that's going to take a long time. So we started looking at all the, all the players in the broader ecosystem that were sort of invested in the success of these business owners. And we're like, all right, let's, let's go to them and figure out what their needs are. So we started a free platform. We built a community. We, we honestly didn't know our business model in the beginning. We just knew we'd figure it out because we knew people were going to make money and we could, we could carve ourselves into that in, in some way. So uh, what we found was that the, we were learning an incredible amount about, about business owners. And so we, we started looking at trend and macro data, which we do sell to, um, to governments and to, and to corporate partners. We never sell individual data. We're very protective of our owners. We would never give email addresses or anything like that. Um, but we do want to share insights because we find that it actually helps people support them more efficiently and in better and stronger ways. And that was where we were kind of all aligned. The business owners wanted these corporations to know more about what they needed so that they could serve them better. Um, and so we did a lot of research about, you know, will this make people uncomfortable if we're sharing macro data? All our owners said, give it away. If it's going to help us, like we want them to know, don't share my personal information. Uh, which we knew. And then on the on the flip side, we knew they're going to be making a lot of purchases. And so if a business owner makes a purchase through Hello Alice, we the the vendor on the other side we get a piece of that sale. Um, and so it's typically a small percentage of that. But we do it both ways. We negotiate with them to get better discounts and actually save our owners money, which means our owners want to buy through us and then we get a small piece of that sale as well. Awesome. And so, you know, one of the hot topics at Create and Cultivate is mentorship. So mentorship, obviously super crucial in the early stages of building your business. Um, and in support of MasterCard's Path to Priceless initiative aimed at connecting women business owners to necessary resources, they launched the Her Ideas community in partnership with Alice. Um, so basically creating more resources. But can you tell us a little bit about um, the work you do with partners and a little bit more about this platform specifically? Yeah, I mean, I think MasterCard has been just such an incredible partner in that the, I just think the authenticity of, of the way that they support business owners, and this is what we see across the board, is across the company. I mean, it's it's so genuine. And, and so when when we got connected, which is ultimately how we connected with Create Cultivate as well, was just this desire to really build and engage a community of women entrepreneurs um, that were building things. So we we launched the community with them. It is live on Hello Alice. So encourage everybody to go check it out and see it for yourself. There are lots of conversations over there. Um, it's an opportunity, a place to kind of share ideas, to share needs that you have. MasterCard is listening in to see what you need as business owners and how they can be supportive. 
Um, together, we're working with Create and Cultivate and with lots of other partners that that Mastercard is is supporting to say how can we collectively make sure that we're getting you all the things you need, uh, whether it's through the you know great events that you're doing at Create and Cultivate, whether it's through uh, you know government partners that we're working with, or whether it's through Mastercard directly. It's really an opportunity to get this very holistic look at all the ways that that you can be supported as a business owner. One of the things that's such a hot topic on Create and Cultivate right now, besides mentorship, is money. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about that. Um, but where are you, are you seeing the most important areas for business owners, maybe pre-COVID and post-COVID, where they should be focusing their financial energy and why? So bootstrapping, I mean, I do think there's real value in, in bootstrapping your business and starting lean. Uh, lots of times, it's tempting at the beginning, you have a set amount of money to grow this business. You want everything to be great and perfect and wonderful. And you've got this big vision. Starting small, I think, is one of the most valuable things a business owner can do. We still, at, at Hello Alice, every time we're testing something new or we're like, hey, we've got this idea for a new feature, we think about how can we, how can we test and make sure that it's valuable to our owners in the fastest and cheapest way possible. And so we, we challenge ourselves to do experiments that we can test in an hour, experiments we can test in a day, experiments we can test in a week just to keep ourselves lean and, and scrappy and thoughtful so that we can then say, okay, there's traction here. It's working. There's interest. Now let's invest more money and more resources. I think that applies to any business, whether you're starting a brick and mortar company, whether you're a freelance, you know, freelancer or consultant, how can you be really, really frugal with your time and money until you prove that there's a need, then go spend, invest, give it your all. Um, but dip your toe in it first and just see like, am I, am I getting somewhere here? You know, have a kind of, that can be everything from having a conversation with a, with a prospect and saying, Hey, like if I built this, would you be interested? Or here's kind of what I'm thinking. How does this sound to you? Like, give me your feedback or hosting a focus group, um, or running it by people, you know, at a, a, you know, go to the next create and cultivate virtual event and run it, run an idea by people and just see what they say. Uh, all that feedback is so valuable. And I feel like when you have too much money, you make silly decisions. You start spending a ton on advertising. You start building things and going down a path that never had legs from the start. So make sure you've got substance there before you invest heavily in it. So obviously you're providing a ton of mentorship tools and uh, resources for women everywhere. But did you have a mentor during this process uh, as you were building Alice? I have so many mentors. I mean, I, I would say kind of in, I don't have like formal mentorship, like where we meet every week and we talk through things. I have just a, an incredible network of people that I lean on for different things. And I reach out to them regularly, just say, let's, can we grab a lunch or a cup of coffee or just catch up because it's been a while. And there's always so many things that I learn from those experiences. Uh, so I, I never stop learning from people. I love talking to people like, I mean, so many people like the MasterCard crew or uh, there's you know, women in, in Houston that I get to work with regularly or people within the startup community um, or small business owners themselves. I mean, I learn, frankly, most of what I need from, from them. They're always opening up new resources and new communities. And hey, did you hear about this awesome thing? So I'm kind of always learning and connecting. And, and I have a really wide range of people that I surround myself with. But I'm always looking for people smarter than me and faster than me and better than me so that I can you know, do what I'm doing a little bit better. 
Absolutely. And now looking to, you've been providing resources for women for a while now. We're in this, living in this post, well, still during COVID-19 moment, which has affected very specifically small business owners. What are you seeing your community asking for and what they need? And what is your hope for post-COVID with small businesses and what resources we can provide to them? Money. Uh, money is so important, but I think money without guidance is, it's not the full, you know, you, you need the support with it because um, the money alone isn't the solution. So we have been offering emergency grants through Hello Alice, ranging from uh, $10,000 to $50,000. We'll be offering those throughout the year on a rolling basis. So you can apply at any time and, and still have a shot at it. It was really important to us to make sure we had, you know, amazing mentors to come with that money, that we had communities like the Her Idea Start Something Priceless community, where people could go to get the questions answered and make sure they're spending the money in the right ways, that they're thinking through how they deploy it. We're continuing to, to build up that pool of funds. And it's been awesome seeing corporations like Verizon, like MasterCard, who just made this massive $250 million commitment to small business, which is so incredible. Uh, just step up to the plate and do things that are are tactically helping small business owners. I think it's one thing to, you know, we can offer support and guidance all day long, but it takes it takes a network, it takes people, it takes dollars, it takes real kind of tangible things to help move a business over the line. Um, and so I'm I'm I will say the silver lining, I think, to COVID-19 for me is that it's brought small business to the front of the narrative. It's so cool for me to open the Wall Street Journal in the morning and see small business in the headlines. It sucks right now in terms of what they're going through. And it's really difficult that they have to deal with laying off employees and pausing operations and wondering if they're going to you know, be able to make it through this. But my hope is that it's going to bring so many resources to the table that on the other side of this, we're just going to see small business flourish. And we're going to see a new appreciation for the role that small business plays in all of our lives. That is definitely the hope. Um, so you're a three-time entrepreneur, have sold companies, run successful businesses. What advice would you give yourself looking back at your career journey that you wish you would have had at the very beginning? Ask for help. Uh, I think like many women, I feel like I can figure it out on my own. Um, and I'm, I'm always sort of a little hesitant to, to reach out and ask for help. Way less so now. I'm, I'm older and wiser. But at the beginning, it was so difficult for me. And I always felt like I could, I should wait and like save up for that moment when I really needed to, to rely on someone's expertise. But what I found is that when you ask someone for help, when you actually implement the guidance they give you, and when you follow up and, and appreciate and tell them how thankful you are for the guidance they gave you, it only strengthens that relationship and makes them want to help more. So ask for help early. Don't go waste an hour or five hours or weeks, you know, trying to sort through Google and paperwork and, and figure these things out on your own. Put the question in a community, go post it out there, go ask your friends, ask your friends' friends, ask the stranger at, you know, on a panel that you, you've never met before. I'll tell you, I'll give an example. And so Gwyneth Paltrow has just amazingly stepped up to mentor on the Hello Alice community. And, and that relationship started from, a question that we asked her after she was on a panel, we had no relationship with her. And, and just over time, this relationship formed and she's just been such an incredible support 
not just for us, but for our community. And so I think there's these examples that you don't have to, you know, have this incredible network on day one, just put yourself out there and make the ask. And that it starts to grow and it starts to fuel itself and and follow up and just be responsive to how people are helping you and be appreciative to how people are helping you. What has been a priceless moment in your career? A priceless moment for me was meeting my co-founder. Uh, I am I really think I'm probably the luckiest human on the world um, to have have found someone who compliments me so well, but is so aligned in sort of her core values in terms of what we want for the company, what we want for our, ourselves personally, what we want for our families. Uh, Elizabeth is like the, the perfect professional compliment to me and and personally. Um, so I think it, it really changed. It changed my career, and, and we both say we will we will never start a company without each other again, uh, because it's I, I just can't imagine running this company without her, and I know it wouldn't be nearly um, the company and, and community that it is today without her. That is a true feat to find a, find a co-founder um, that is complimentary and that you get along with and have the you know complimentary skill set. So congratulations on that. Um, so we are going to wrap with some sentence finishers. So to kick it off, true inclusivity is. Ooh, true inclusivity is respect for others. Mentorship is offering up your highs and lows. And the one piece of advice I always give small business owners is ask for help uh, and ask early. Thank you so much for being on the show. That was wonderful. Thanks, Jacqueline. This was fun. Have you bought your copy of Work Party the Book? Part career manifesto, part practical business advice, Work Party the Book is everything I wish I knew during my early years as an entrepreneur. The ups, the downs, the things I learned, and the women that helped me to make it happen. Just like in our podcast, Work Party the Book does not shy away from the nitty-gritty details you need to know. If you hope to start your own business or become the HBIC at your current gig, we're here to help you out. Available in hardcover and audiobook on Amazon, also on iBooks at Target and your local bookstore. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Work Party, the podcast. If you felt inspired and learned something new, let us know in a review on iTunes and check us out on social at Work Party. For every episode, we have downloadable resources available on workparty.com so you can put these tips and tools into action for your own business. Thanks again for listening. And as always, work hard, party on.